Welcome to Screen Watchers, your gamescast for all multi-platform news, discussion, and otherwise, oh, oftentimes erotic banter. I am Joe DeClaro. Almost never erotic banter. <laughs> Frequently erotic. Kerner was making some hand gestures that was arousing me, so I had to throw that in there. I am Joe DeClaro. I am joined by Ryan. Yeah. And by David. Yo, yo. Gentlemen, may the fourth be with you. Almost forgot about this. And also with you. Yeah. Today is apparently a momentous occasion. I, ne- I don't know when we decided that the 4th of May is is the day. It's proper, I assume. It's like it's appropriate because of the cute pun. But when did we decide that like May 4th is when we start celebrating Star Like Wars? two years ago. It really came into being two years ago. Because of the movie. Yeah. I mean, may the 4th be with you. Do you understand the pun, Joey? I Yeah, I got it. The pun. It's Good. very cute. Good. Got it. Thank you. <laughs> what did you guys have? Either of you done anything to celebrate? The fourth. I the recently rewatched the entire uh, trilogy multiple times today. The entire trilogy. The entire trilogy. Recently, all three. All three movies of the originals. I didn't watch any of the fan made productions. <laughs> so we're all there for for Star Wars, and can't wait for the next fan version to come out, which I think <laughs> is uh, coming out relatively soon. Two thousand seventeen. It's coming out next year. Well, there's Rogue One coming out this year. Yeah, Rogue One. It, which is it. There's going to be a Star Wars movie every year now. It's going from to now be on. so much Star Wars yeah, all, all the, the time. time. And Actually, you'll never be able to Star get out. away from it. This I is what I heard I, when Star Wars is coming back again. The original thing I heard is that no one is going to be excited about Star Wars very soon because the amount of Star Wars you want yeah, we'll get will fr- just be satiated. There's yeah. no way... Yeah, we'll get serious We'll get franchise fatigue. For I'm sure, already crazy. starting to get franchise fatigue with comic book movies, and I'm sure that a lot of people well, are yeah. are with me. Have you talked about that I mean, on one of the past podcasts? I mean, I mean that's like comic book movies was never a discussion, but I do feel. I mean, that's eight years in the making. Franchise fatigue, you know, on Marvel movies. When did Iron Man come out? That was kind of the start. So of long ago. Yeah, eight yeah. years like, ago. Yeah. But this new Winter Soldier movie is supposed to be the best one. No, not Winter Soldier. You Civil, mean War. Just Civil War. Civil War. Yeah, we'll cut that. Winter we'll cut, Soldier was one no, no, no. of my favorites. Sorry, the new Captain America movie is supposed I'm, to be the best Marvel movie. I'm a sinner of a comic book. I'm not a comic book fan. Like, I didn't really, really read comic books. I loved comic book movies since, like, Batman, you know, with Michael Keaton and whatever. But uh, I didn't – I was very – I've not really been watching all the Marvel movies. Like, didn't watch uh, Captain America, the first one, till af- well after it had come out, and I wasn't impressed – Never saw Winter Soldier, didn't see Thor or anything like that. Saw Iron Man and Iron Man 2. Iron Man 2 was terrible, and I was just like, I, I, I don't totally care about these I totally disagree movies. with that statement. I think that the Iron Man 2 and 3 were actually good movies, and they I'm were, not alone in not this. Most good. people would disagree with I'm you not alone two. in this. Most A number people. of people have gone back, and maybe not as much about 2 as, as 3, but they have re- uh, thought of their original opinions. They've reconsidered. Because, yeah, they've reconsidered because they are deep looks individually at Tony Stark in a way that the first movie wasn't. Yeah, and true. While the plot was in many ways nonsensical, and and I there was three... like sl- minimal amount of action, like the like every action scene that wasn't there was felt like it was cut short, and like just so not so badass. Too much talking. I understand it was a good development for Tony Stark. 
Well, but, no, uh, two I, I, was much better than three when it came to the internal development because okay. three I was, never saw three. So. Yeah, you never saw three. So yeah. the last action scene is just completely nonsense. Mm-hmm. Tony calls upon dozens of Iron Man suits that he had just neglected to inform anybody about. That oh, by the are, way, yeah, <laughs> by the an way, army, have an army. By the way, I have an suits. army of robot-controlled AI perfect supersuits that can just rescue me and rescue anybody who's involved. And somehow I didn't think to use these at any other point in the movie. Yeah, that was just completely idiotic. That, that was disappointing. But <laughs> and that the, was after the last that was, Captain America movie was a very strong movie. I thought. Yeah, last I, Captain. I've Mer- heard. I've heard. Yeah, that. my original point was that Winter Soldier was, in my opinion, the best Marvel movie because it was down to earth mm-hmm. and it wasn't involving crazy, insane shenanigans, and they made it. I'm a big fan of crazy, insane shenanigans. Yeah, crazy, insane shenanigans. You. But there are only so many times where the the entire universe can be at stake before you get universe fatigue. Okay. And you get, it wasn't so grandiose. Yeah, there's, I, I get fatigued with how every they always have to ratchet up the consequences mm-hmm. for each one. Yeah, and, they have to keep it. Well, but I think up. that's one of the most hilarious things about the um, Marvel comic books where like you'll have a Spider-Man where everyone in the city will turn into giant spiders for a week. And then just the next episode, it's like, it's like coming to the book. It's like, Hey, 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 remember when we were all spiders? Horrific (laughs) nightmare world. Anyway, let's go to McDonald's, whatever. It's fine. (laughs) Uh, We could start talking about games now. Comics are another discussion for our secondary podcast. I am excited. Launching soon. Those look very good. Page watchers. Page watchers. Page watchers. (laughs) (laughs) So gentlemen, of course we have a lot of news to get through. Uh, but if we shall always and forevermore discuss the games that we played this week first. Uh, I played a few games, uh, two or three games that I spent a lot of time with. Uh, but I want to get to Kerner first because Kerner has finally seen the light. So I'm not sure uh, if anybody was listening to the last podcast where I stated that watching Twitch streams is equivalent to playing games in many cases. And I had, when Hearthstone originally came out, when it was actually in beta, watched dozens of hours of some of the best Hearthstone streamers. I had watched Trump. I watched, like, just all the better people. Mm. And I thought Hearthstone was a very fun game, but it was not something that I would necessarily be willing to play because it seemed like kind of a grind. So I recently broke down in a moment of insanity and downloaded the game based on the thousands of ads I've seen over years telling me to play this free-to-play game, how every single YouTube video I ever watch, I'm bombarded with Hearthstone, probably because they know my viewing history, they know I should be playing Hearthstone. Really no and, reason that you hadn't been playing Hearthstone. There was no reason that I hadn't been playing Hearthstone. Well, Ryan the listeners here, should know also that you are a, a diehard uh, Magic the Gathering player. Play so. Magic the Gathering, thought that was the card game for me. Mm-hmm. Also Yu-Gi-Oh, just a joke, don't play Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, downloaded the game, started playing it, realized that if I'd been playing two years ago, the game would be outrageous fun because I would have all the best cards. Mm-hmm. The issue with the the main issue I have with the game is that it is free to play. So in order to have a competent deck to play in a standard format, you have to spend an outrageous amount of money to open the proper cards. But that is to be the case with any, uh, I guess, free to play game where they require you to have free to play games that 
the better items you have or the better cards you have are quantifiably better. Yeah, to be relevant, you really have to just be caught up in some f- fashion. They Hearthstone has made it a lot better, though, obviously. So much with better the, than when it started. So with, with this new update comes Standard and Wild Mode. So now Standard Mode cuts out so many of the expansions that you missed out on. So it's not like you have you already have about like what say two hundred dollars worth of catching up to do you know now uh-huh. you can jump in with say some of the standard packs you, know, you you do probably still have to shell out some cash if you don't want to go through that grind i went through the grind for a long time before like expansions came out so i got most of the classic cards just through grinding but that took forever and i happened to enjoy it you're probably not interested in that so it's probably still costs you somewhere close to $100 to really just jump on board with everything. Apparently, I am interested in grinding, though, based yeah. about well, the for- fact that I have gotten every daily quest I could possibly get. And the issue that I have is that arena mode, very expensive when you owe three every single draft. Yeah, if you're not a good player, the game costs more money <laughs> over time and more of your time. I mean, for the record, I did tell David to download Hearthstone while it was in open beta Years ago. I mean, we we sent multiple messages. We were on the same page. Refused to play it for no reason. No reason. Totally insane that he's getting into it now, but probably one of the best games ever made. I mean, in my opinion, I still play every day from open beta, and I have all the cards still. So now, how do you feel about the game? How I think the playing? game is incredibly fun, but it is not a game that... So the difference between me coming from Magic and some other card games... Having the mana increase on a turn-to-turn basis cuts out the RNG aspect of magic where you lack the lands to play your spells, which is probably the least fun thing that you could ever do Mm. because you're sitting there with a handful of cards that you cannot play and the opponent is playing cards because they got their land drops. Mm -hmm. So on that aspect, I think that Hearthstone has figured out a very... I guess, unique way to fundamentally alter how a card game is played. Mm. Uh, But I think that the RNG involved in a lot of the cards is outrageous and makes for a competitive format where... But the purpose of the mana system is to make it so that there are certain games where even if you are a noob and you're playing a pro, you could just randomly win. That's the whole idea of the mana system to introduce some an element of randomness into the game. And they've stripped that out. But in Hearthstone, they add that randomness back in with the actual card That's interactions. What I was gonna say. I was gonna say that it's two it's different sides of a different coin. How you have instead of the mana where you can get screwed at, you can get screwed at your cards not properly targeting the right minion, your cards not casting the proper spell. Well, one of the cards that I guess we'll talk talk about for a few seconds is was introduced in the new uh, new expansion, which is Yog. Yog Sarah. Yog Sarah. Didn't actually know who this one. Okay, was, so yeah. one of the the three old gods, four old gods. You get Cthulhu. So everyone knows Cthulhu if you're playing the game. Every time you when you launch the game in the new expansion, you just get it. It's just an absurd, epic, uh, legendary card that you just get. Another one of the old gods is called Yogg-Saron. So Yogg-Saron is a 7-5 for 10 mana. So 10 is the most mana that you get. And it casts as its battle cry. So as it enters the as it enters the field, it casts a random spell for each spell you've cast this game. So it leads yeah. to outrageous board states right. where you are 
punished for playing it frequently uh, if you're ahead because it will randomly wrath your board and deal 10 damage to yourself. Yep. Or if you're very far behind, can win you the game out of literally nowhere by giving you a bunch of charge minions and just killing them yeah. with like crazy spells. My brother had actually uh, packed into that. Like he cracked that, that yeah, card Probably in a pack. one of the number one cards I want to It's open. so ridiculous. The first time he played it, he was so pumped. He was like, this is going to be the best card ever. Kyle doesn't actually have a good understanding of how Hearthstone's played. Like, you know, the, the element of, you know, randomness and how to figure out like most optimal moves for, and like card value, things like that. He just kind of plays as like, look how badass this monster is, which is fine. And he was so excited about this card. He finally puts it out. And then first thing it does is light bomb all of his minions. <laughs> and he totally just loses the game entirely. Yeah. So, so here's the thing about Yagsuran. Um, it's going to be positive for you like s- more than 60% of the time just to, because of the number of spells that are in the game. It's not an even coin flip. Because of the way the spells are worded in the game, you're you're getting value off of it. So all the secrets that are in the game stick to you. Um, a lot of the spells only do damage to your opponent. Right. And then a lot of the spells are worded positively to buff your creatures and negatively for opponent's creatures. But so, the risk that Okay, there's have. a there's a massive risk. <laughs> it's like flipping five coins, but it's weighted where you win one of them. So you you're slightly ahead on every time you play it, but there's a huge risk that you'll lose. What's interesting about the card is it's the only card in the game that can win totally win the game for you from a position where you are cryptically behind. Like if you are in a position where you are going to lose, you can play this card and have a chance to win. No other card can do that. And I agree with that. And that's why I think Hearthstone on the whole is a far more casual game than Magic. And I'm sure that lots of people have said this not a unique point. Well, one of the classic cards. I, I will say that is like a new type of card. Like I haven't seen anything like that in Hearthstone right, it's, before. It's it's from the new expansion. One of the yeah. classic cards where people say like the direct RNG element of the game is Knife Juggler. Yeah, Knife Juggler. Because <laughs> just opened a Knife Juggler, great card. Right, because when you play Knife a great Juggler, card like, was the best card in the game. Yeah, you that was a great card, even with a two-two. I knew, I knew about. Yeah. I as I said before, watched dozens of yeah, yeah, hours. Yeah. Knew about yeah. Juggler, yeah. Right. So when you play Juggler, I mean, like you have the chance to win. But you could also just not hit your targets every time. <laughs> yeah, every time. I will say yeah. it feels awesome when, like, I plan out a juggalo move, you know, like some combos. It's like, all right, this could just go completely awry. And when it fucking nails, like, just exactly who I want, when I want, I mean, it's the best feeling yeah, in the world. Yeah, I was in a pretty grim situation. I needed to hit all three juggles this morning, and I hit one. <laughs> And then I was like, I could hedge my bets and play something else, but I'm going to go for the two additional juggles. So three coin flips that you hit directly. And that's all weighing risk. I mean, that's what what I think is great about games in general a lot of the time and Hearthstone particularly. Yeah, you've said like because it's so uh, based on randomization, uh, it's hard to get to a skill level wherein you are winning more than 50% of your uh, matches. But you once said on the podcast that it takes about a thousand games with a certain archetype to really understand exactly like when to do what moves and like seeing another player and like predicting it. And I'm like, that is the craziest thing to say that you should be able to, that you can know all these things, but you have to put in a thousand 
at like a thousand hours or a thousand games into one day. Yeah, after, but it's actually I, I understand don't. it being true because it's like the most. That's such an esport thing to say. Just like fucking Dota, you have to, it really gets awesome after your seventieth hour. No, right after time, after you know? a few hundred games with a particular deck, you really start seeing synergies and also. Um, you start knowing other decks and exactly what they're like. Archetypes, play. though, not like a specific deck. No lists. Like, like you'll yeah. see because lists will come out that people nope. will be playing, and you'll but just know what they're doing. But just a type. Ryan, of, it falls under an archetype. Ryan is a very slow learner because on <laughs> no, lots bullshit. of these games that <laughs> we play, after Ryan will be a thousand hours in, like in Counter Strike Go, uh-huh. and be like finally realize that I have to spray down in order to get headshots. Finally realize I shouldn't rush every single time. Yeah, well, I yeah. just, I just yeah. happen to refuse to listen to any sort of advice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> makes so. perfect sense. That's a really intelligent move. I remember we played Gone Home. You were like, oh, this game is terrible. I said, well, like you can't find anything. All the secrets. I'm like, well, there's a map. He's like, I, why would I use a map? Refuse, and I said, I don't know. I Crazy idea. This time around. So let's talk about Space Mace. Okay, so we went to IndieCade. Oh my god, I forgot we were going to talk about IndieCade. IndieCade. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we went to IndieCade. Uh, we played a bunch of games. A lot of them I was not a big fan of, but we played some really cool experimental games and then a bunch of games that was on the ground floor that were just really sweet. We played some games. garbage experimental games. <laughs> we played, what was that one that was just literally a, tr- a shroom trip? That was just like you walking around and just experiencing some ridiculous. Well, we played mode. one game where someone built. Let me let me start. Let me start. Get you into the mindset here. Indigate. Someone Indigate. built a basically a box that looked like a house with a Google cardboard inside it. When you put on the house onto your head <laughs> inside the Google cardboard, you, you it looked as if you were in this house, but the windows of the house were were just the screen a series of, like, of webcams that they had on the other side of the room so there are webcams all over the room so you were <laughs> you were in a house that was actually on your head but inside <laughs> the cardboard you could see a the cardboard house, house by the, the inside way. of the cardboard house but also you could look and see yourself through the windows of the house that you were looking out of. I had taken this cardboard house off of my head, gave it to Ryan to try out, and I was like, this is the stupidest game. This is, well, just the stupidest VR demo or whatever this is. This, like, I, I didn't understand anything. It run, ran horribly on the phone. And then I looked back, and Ryan was trying on the house. And I take out my phone to record. I'm like, this is the best game ever. Ryan is wearing a stupid fucking house on his head. And now I have this recording for the rest of my life. So, well, I big think, fan of that game. I think a game like that... You can seriously have... It's not a game. It's a VR demo. Yes, VR demo. You could have serious horror games. And that is what I think a lot of the VR, as we've said before... Yeah, some really great devs are actually working on that. So this game... So another demo we saw was a sleep... What is it? Not sleep apnea. No, like it was sleep, sleep, sleep paralysis. Sleep, right. <laughs> it was a sleep paralysis, sleep paralysis simulator. simulator. So you're locked into a sleeping bag with an Oculus on. So you cannot move and you're seeing demons like Oof. float around a room. We did not try it, but it was something that was there. A horrifying experience, I'm sure. I was not interested in trying that. Let's some of the games that we actually did play. Some of the real great. games that we played. So one of the best games that I've ever played, I'm very excited to go home and get it right after particle mace space mace much better name much better name they should have called it space mace particle mace genius game 99 cents on steam i believe still dollars now really i tried oh, to buy disaster. it yesterday like, disaster. <laughs> disaster so it's kind of like a throwback to kind of like asteroids 
or no, well, geometry war. It's like a mixture, mixture between asteroids, geometry wars. It, okay, in aesthetic, it is those things, but really, it is just a one stick game. So you all re- you're required is one joystick, uh, wherein you're controlling and manipulating this. Well, you're controlling this little spaceship, this little arrow avatar spaceship. It's an asteroid this, spaceship. Yeah, basically. yeah. It looks just like asteroids, and you know you're on this uh, 2D plane with three or two or three other players, and you're versing each other. Tailing behind your ship are these, I don't know, these particles are these, uh, I don't know how you would describe it's them. A particle mace. That's yeah. exactly, it is this long string that has a bunch of dots. There's these little dots that you're connected to by these uh, extendable strings that you're using the momentum of your ship to manipulate and to kind of swing them around. And you're trying to throw these particles that are following you into other players and it's just a very awesome competitive game consumed about an hour of our time at indicate played this thing. game at my house with david he was <laughs> trash at it could not win one literally time. the opposite of truth won every single game against every challenger beat ryan over a dozen times okay so he, which one of you is lying i yeah. i'm not the one lying ryan is no, the one lying. was really good <laughs> I won every single game, was not even close. It was close at some points. Uh, I thought that balance-wise, only having played it for probably 45 minutes, it seemed like the fast ship is uh, – each ship, there are a number of different ships. Right. They had different that have, ships that had different functionalities. So the normal ship is uh, normal speed for the game and you have a larger mace because uh, a lot of times the particles are either larger or smaller depending on what ship you have. You have a robot ship. That can only move at uh, angles. So instead of a smooth curve, you can only move on an angle. So Mm. it's like snap, snap, snap as you turn. Uh, You have a a fast ship, which in my opinion is just easily the best ship that has the highest turning speed and acceleration, but has a smaller mace. But in that sort of game where you also have to dodge uh, random asteroids and the board edge, it is speed is the single most important component Mm. and i'm not sure how much gameplay testing they did i'm sure a lot maybe there are various probably not small indie small indie game clearly made by one to three people so it seemed like the benefits that you have from going faster are just immeasurably more important than a larger mace Mm. so if there are strategies that they figured out in-house that i would get trashed at Hypothetically, I'm wrong, but if you get space mace, it's easy, also it's particle easy to mace. Believe. Yeah, it's easy to believe that there's like bouncing issues. I'm sure, like Ryan said, fast yeah. ship forever. Yeah, you're not gonna see a lot of playtesting, except for at the Indicade, you know, and or just on their own time. So I'm sure that there's bouncing issues, or whatever. It was just an insanely fun game that we just like walked up to and in two seconds understood and yeah. just played like I swear like an hours of our time. Outrageously fun, really, really fun. genius concept, kind of the perfect game. We also yeah. played PSVR. Oh, we did that. play a PSVR demo. So this demo's been out for a while. It's a game that probably will be coming out for PSVR. It's a Super Hypercube from the creator, I believe, Phil Fish of Fez, uh, that indie game, the 2D to 3D indie game that was uh, that was popular for a little while back in like 2012 and like uh, up to its release. So this game is a very cool puzzle game. Another game that kind of messes with. Um, perspective and dimensions uh basically you have these tetris shapes 
that are just hovering in front of you and you're in PSVR so you can look at it at different angles and uh, move around to inspect it. And it's a 3D Tetris shape. We'll, we'll just keep calling it a Tetris shape that uh, is floating towards a wall or a barrier that is a 2D barrier and has a cutout in a certain shape. And your piece can fit through it, but it depends on what perspective. So you have to twist and turn your Tetris shape into a, a certain uh, angle that it'll fit through that thing. And then each time you go through a barrier, you get another block added to your Tetris pattern and you have to keep uh, manipulating it and getting it through these things and they get more and more complex. And it's really cool because you have to see the barrier coming towards you. It's coming from like afar towards your face, your VR screen. And you have to kind of twist around and like tilt around to like see the wall as it's coming towards you because the piece is like in the way. So it's a very cool idea for VR. Uh, I definitely think it's a game that needs VR. Ryan, you had your own opinions on the game. Yeah, I don't think this game in particular really needs VR. I mean, you could pretty easily imagine that your camera was locked on an axis and, and like a C-stick kind of tilted around mm-hmm. so you could see the wall. Like a tilting not, mechanic. Yeah, sort of not really the point. I mean, I, my main point is that I'm really actually was shocked at how good the PSVR was. Mm-hmm. I really thought it was going to be a completely subpar experience from the Oculus and the Vive. And the PSVR was pretty sweet. I mean, journalists who have tried it have have been repeatedly saying that it's the most comfortable headset, Yeah, which it is. Yeah, uh, having tried all of the headsets now, it is by far the most comfortable. And my main concern would be the resolution. Mm-hmm. Having tr- But having tried it, actually pretty reasonable here's the thing the game was very minimal as far as graphics were concerned like it it had really cool uh graphical like explosions of color and things like that and it was very futuristic looking but at the same time there wasn't a lot of detail they were these tetris blocks and then this uh you know construction paper cutout that's like coming towards you like there wasn't a lot of need for fidelity i actually noticed an issue with the resolution in this game because as I was looking further out, I was going for the high score in this game. I yeah, apparently there were was people doing talking well. about how you were doing pretty phenomenal. I apparently was doing well. Multiple people, game developers there said, this guy's press. He's clearly played this before. <laughs> Never played the game fun. before. I'm hoping that my uh, high score, J-O-E, is still locked in there. Anyway, so as I was looking, I was able to like see from afar like the shapes and I, you know, figure it out, try and remember what my shape looks like. But uh, numerous times I looked out and the, you couldn't make out what the shape looked like because the resolution was slightly poor. So it's funny that like you for the longest time were very skeptical about the PSVR saying, I can't imagine it being good because just of the specs I'm looking at and everything else is so great. The vibe is so fantastic. And I've been uh, a big advocate for wanting it to be good because I have the PlayStation. Uh, but now I'm slightly concerned because this was a minimally graphical game, like not a lot to work with. And already I was noticing some issues. Yeah. So I, oh. having said that, I still believe that the Vive is going to blow this thing out of the water. Absolutely. In a hundred ways. So we played, we both played a Vive demo. I'm blanking on the name now. I didn't get the name of this game, but it was basically a sandbox environment where you are walking around a room and this has been my dream since I was a small boy. The idea where <laughs> ever since he was a young boy, you could be in a game where you completely control the environment. So you you're walking around a clear room 
and you just kind of flick your hand and there's a crossbow in your hand. And then you can jump in a game world and shoot it. You could set up a wall. So you can like flick your hand. Now you have a wall and you can just extend the wall. You can build a house. So, yeah, I, so there were like little tr- creation toolkit like uh, tools that you could do. Like you could you can manipulate these shapes and stuff like that. You can or you had shapes. these tools that were at your disposal already like fucking crossbows or whatever. You could spawn a crossbow. You could spawn a chainsaw. You can make a dartboard and then shoot the crossbow into the dartboard from afar. Or darts. You had darts too. You yeah. could be violent and use crossbows, of course. I'm looking for Super Hot in VR, which was announced uh, last month and yeah. is going to be so sweet. That's a game that I don't think you need a high resolution for. Even That's true. I think that it's only coming out for the uh, – Don't think it's coming out for PSVR. Yeah. It's Xbox One is where they're rolling it out for. Xbox – it's on console – Xbox One console now, but I, I, Xbox One right now doesn't have a dedicated – VR setup, it does have partnership with Oculus. We don't know quite what that means yet when Oculus starts really rolling out their software. But regardless, going back to uh, this game, this like play playroom game, there's a lot of games like this coming out. Like creation is such a huge part of what I think is going to make VR sell. Or maybe not sell, but what is going to be so exciting about it that you can get yourself into this 3D space, which you can always do with computers, but you will be in there and everything will be so much more tactile and like real and you can inspect it and get so much more hands on with it uh, with these 3D designs and stuff like a really cool game that's coming out for the PlayStation VR is Dreams from the guys Media Molecule. I think they're a first party developer, Media Molecule. They made a little big planet. I'm sure you guys have seen that before. Sweet game. Yeah. Ooh. They were, they also made Tearaway, which was a really cool PlayStation Vita 3D platformer. They've made some cool, uh, like cute games. This game looks incredible. It's a very, very interesting creation tool. There's also like Tilt Brush from Google, I think, which is on the vibe. There's a playroom type game for the Oculus. Every, there's going to be tons of these creation tools that are going to do really cool things with 3D design, make it more user-friendly, or there'll be really deep creation tools for the Oculus that's really going to, I think, push the VR in like the what, some of the coolest ways. So. Right. So really, I think there are three important elements. The full immersion in the headset, the hand tracking. But I think the third thing, and I think the most important for me, the thing I'm most excited about is the full room scale stuff, which the other two systems aren't going to do at all. What I'm worried about is I don't really know if there's going to be any really triple A experiences inside a room scale environment for the next few years. I think we're going to see really small projects like the one we played, kind of like just general like uh, environments you can fuck around in, mm-hmm. but I really don't know if we're going to see giant games inside that. I mean, you, that I don't think of. you'll see, yeah, giant games for any of these anytime soon. No, I think that the, in, I think the Oculus Vive and PSVR are going to see like within the next six months after their releases, large scale. We're going to see games. really good AAA games for them. Well, really good the is Oculus fine, but large scale. I mean, like games that have say, you know, this is not. Uh, this is not a comment on quality or anything, but I'm saying just large scale, 20 hour to 30 hour games in VR. I don't think we're going to see that really. Um, I mean, replayability may be one thing, but like single player experiences, you know, like ex- going exploring some Skyrim scaled VR game, you know, that I don't think we'll see in a while. I think the Vive, I'm surprised you say it because I don't think the Vive would have anything to worry about because the Vive is just 
Valve and the Valve can just do whatever the fuck they want. No, what I'm saying is right. I understand, but I actually don't think Valve is developing any serious software for the Vive. No, they're developing Half Life Three. Yeah. yeah, you heard it here first. No, you did not. You, you heard, heard it here first. Years. You heard it here. Ever first. since the Vive was a thing, uh, but the yeah. Vive is coming out with. It's going to come bundled with, with Half Life 3. Three. That's actually a very popular theory. A lot of people do very seriously believe that. I think they're. Clueless. And I think it's absolutely a joke. Yeah, Vive doesn't care about Half Life Three. But it was in the source code. Valve, not Valve doesn't up. care. Vive it, wants Half Life Three. Yeah. <laughs> Vive was made for Half Life Three. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I'm ex- I'm not concerned, say, about the whole room scale thing. I think Vive is going to do some really cool things with that. I think Valve will be at the helm of most of those cool things. Uh, Valve has made some really cool demos. Like I don't know if you saw the Dota demo. Like it's just Dota. Did not. It, there's the Dota demo and the Portal demo. They're all explorable like environments, and they're all themed on these games. They're all fantastic. Anyway, we want to talk some more about some other indie games, some really terrible games at this uh, convention. Maybe one of the best game concepts I've ever seen or heard about in my entire life. This game, 100 foot robot golf is genius we got we got hands-on time it's so genius Kerner, it's terrible it that's is, how ingenious the it actual is. opposite of it's terrible. actually a the bad fact that joey is not a believer in this game is absurd to me so this is a game i'll tell dave directly you have 100 foot robots you're in a city and also you're playing golf you could fly you could shoot <laughs> missiles but also you you're play playing golf, golf. <laughs> is the fact that you're in a city is a city destructible the city is destructible when you, you say shoot missiles in the city, you can fly. It, they're literally like rendered wooden blocks that you can hit with your golf club, and they'll like apparently knock over. It's terrible. It's like the most. There's brutal. nothing a lot like the Battlefield terrible three about this fully sure, destructibility. Sure. That Only was far a total worse. joke. Only far oh, no, you know about how yeah, they yeah. promised it, and then it was like yeah, you blow joke. a hole in a wall. I actually don't like, understand why Joey is not a believer in this game. I saw it and I was immediately. I think you're fully so trolling. excited about this I think game. You're fully I'm not trolling at all. I think it's one of the coolest concepts that I've seen in a long time. 100 foot robo golf. I actually believe it's coming to Steam, so I'm pretty excited about that. Game that I really loved that I spent so much time at Indiecade. We'll wrap up Indiecade, but a uh, game that was so had so much fun. Probably played two hours of it if I could. Uh, just jumping into other people's matches, Gang Beasts, Gang which Beasts. is that fantastic like brawler game where you're clumsily cre- controlling this character who swings his arms at you and you like you punch them and if you get, land enough punches, they like not you get knocked out and you pick them up and throw them into assorted like death machines like you can put throw them in a grinder or in front of like a subway train track which is horrible you can yeah. throw them in like the fire pits like is the the silliest fun most fun game this is a game that i've game. been very excited about for a long time uh but it's hit, apparently already to hit out. a steam cell it's in steam early access now. right right see so it's I, been I, out for about a year i believe about a year probably less than that I've, re- I've been tracking i've read some reddit threads and i've heard unfortunately that uh well this was kind of conjecture but someone was saying this is just one of those games that a couple of people got together and thought wouldn't it be cool to make this game and then they they make it and then they put it out and then they just kind of lose steam and then they start doing other things you know life gets in the way and then they just never release it and they never make any statement about it so we're all just sitting there wondering like when are we getting gang beasts for playstation 4 because obviously that's where what we're all thinking right now obviously that's what i'm thinking i'm thinking when's it getting to real gaming hardware anyway uh to wrap up the games we played this week i have been playing a couple of games i've uh finished 
Ratchet and Clank since last time I spoke. Finished it. Yeah, yeah. Well, Joe, you're a person who finishes games. Well, this game was not too hard to finish. It is a 3D platformer. Uh, so normally those can be pretty expansive. The Ratchet and Clank games were never too long. And this one specifically was a little shorter, but it was also $40. So again, like a lot of people, I don't see the, the you know, the need for money to equate how much time you spend on a game you know we've talked about that before but i did feel a little better about the fact that it was a little shorter now starting new game new game plus which means i could keep all my stuff all my gadgets and stuff and start a new game which is a little harder and has more challenges and stuff like that but even with just playing on one playthrough without new game plus I felt that it was validated because it was $40, so it was easier to swallow. And it, it's nice to have a game that's, like, finishable. But I do, yeah, swallow, you know, because <laughs> cause penis, right. So, the game was very, very good. Uh, I don't know if it's just from a the the lack of 3D platformers. Like, we've had hit sort of a dry spell as, as far as the genre is concerned. This game was fantastic. Had just the right amount of humor and, like, silliness. Uh, was not too hard. Obviously, it's a 3D platformer. Had really, really cool gadgets. Was like breaching the point of being a third-person shooter with really cool different enemy designs, things like that. We talked ex- extensively about the game last week, me and Ryan. Uh, so that game, I played, game, yeah, I played it. It was a very, very fun game. Really good game. So now a game that I have been playing and been playing it for around a few months now is a. It's an app. It's free to play. It's called Neko Itsume. No, no, cut, 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 I, cut I'm cut. not cutting. We're not talking about Neko Itsume. I can talk about Neko Itsume. Why, why? I can talk about Neko Itsume. It. it is a cat collector game. Oh, Christ. In so which mighty. you get a yard that is, you can place toys on. I have a real ooh, game hey, I do want to talk about. No, this about. is an important game. There is, <laughs> there's no fail state though. So I'm not it's sure not it's a game. It's game. not a game. But you gradually collect these cats, and I'm at the point where there are only three rare cats that I have failed to collect. You can take that so you picture. failed. So it's and, a game. You and failed to do. I it. am at an end state where I don't have any more content for this game. So have you considered a- <laughs> restarting your account? <laughs> so just a side note to all of our listeners who may be developing Nekoitsume in their spare time: please add more cats and <laughs> a way to actually interact with the cats in this game. You can only look add, at add said actual cats. Game mechanics, please. <laughs> add more features. <laughs> please add more features because you can only look at the cats and take pictures of them. You can never actually physically touch or play with the cats once they're in, in your uh, yard. So I guess it is a uh, a great way to view cats. What as I a total. what I would call it instead of a game, I would call it a waste of time. Yeah, great just a game. total waste. I recommend time. everybody plays it. My mom plays it, loves it. Ridic- <laughs> Well, that fucking puts the cap on that. I mean, my mom plays it, loves it. End of story. You played another game this week. I also finally played, well, not finally. I've been anticipating this game from Housemark Studios' Alien Nation. So uh, Housemark Studios, creators of PlayStation exclusive games such as Stardust and all the iterations on that game and expansions. Uh, which was a twin stick shooter. They're all they're essentially twin stick shooter developer. Yeah, Stardust is great. Stardust Ultra, Stardust Delta, all those iterations. And then uh, they also made Dead Nation, twin stick zombie game. They developed Resogun, which was contended to be one of the best PlayStation Four games. And uh, they finally came out with Alienation. It's this really really cool Diablo esque single player or multiplayer campaign game wherein you're 
killing all these aliens, going through different missions. Just really fun looking for loot as you kill enemies. It has some really cool light RPG mechanics to level up your guns, things like that. And it has that cool loop of you always looking for the next best gun, replaying levels to find uh, better weapons and level up yourself and do that grind. And it's a really, really cool game. Ryan, you and I once played Helldivers. Yeah, I was thinking about Helldivers when you were describing this yeah. game. I have not played this game yet. How similar to Helldivers? Very, very similar. It's not so strategic. It is very much you just spawn and you go through the level. It's very somewhat linear. And then when you complete all the objectives, you uh, call in a helicopter and you leave the area. But there's no friendly fire. So there's none of that insanity of you killing your friends and like you having to be careful with your ammo and things like that. It's not nearly as hardcore as Helldivers. Those are some of the things I liked about Helldivers. Absolutely. I want to play more Helldivers and I'm excited for the summer sale mm. to get Helldivers dirt cheap. I really want to play more Helldivers on the PC. Hell Don't want to pay $20 for it though right now. Yeah. Helldivers, I would say, play came out for free on PlayStation Plus a few months ago. I was furious that I had paid for it. Because you always get caught with that, like, ah, I know this is one of those games that'll be free for PlayStation Plus, but I don't actually know. Honestly, I was glad to pay the money for Helldivers. That is, I think, the superior game. It is way more strategic, way more hardcore. One of the things I liked the most about Helldivers was how competitive it was in the sense that we were losing and we had to seriously plan out missions. We had a debrief situation where we were like, no, we're going to go into this mission with this loadout. Mm Mm-hmm. We're going to use these characters, and we're going to attack this map in this way. That's not an experience that you, you that actually you frequently picked, have. You picked your landing zone, and like you saw the map before dropping into the game, and you like chose where you were going to land, which objectives you were going to go do because you saw the terrain that really mattered. You had to pick the right loadout for the terrain that you were about to land on. You saw like on the map like where certain enemies were probably going to be spawning more things like that. I will say that one of the things that soured me on Hell divers and i feel like it could be one of my favorite games of all time if if the entire game was more like the experience that we had when we first started playing it but after a few hours of playing uh we had people jump into our server who had absurd gear and they made what we were doing seem very easy Mm -hmm. so it just seemed to me like ultimately if you just ground out the easy missions it would be much easier to play the harder ones and i would say i would love a game like hell divers where Everyone has a very basic loadout, and then the missions get harder from there, and you have to use your basic stuff. But it was also cool to see a giant tank drop down. Yeah, exactly. There's, so there's you know, a balance. Yeah, you have to choose like which which do you prefer. You know, like I loved have being in the midst of absolute dire defeat. You know, we were it was imminent, and then all of a sudden, some random player would drop in, and he had his mech suit ready to go, and he saved our lives. And then we like called in a drop ship and stuff. It, it's those really cool moments that made that game so special. Uh, but I do understand the value uh, you have for like an even playing field. Like Halo is one of my favorite games of all time because the original Halo is because everyone had the same weapons on start, things like that, no loadouts and silliness like that. But at the same time, you know, grinding your way towards having all those loadouts is really sweet and it's rewarding. And then you finally get to that point where you can play those harder missions. But I think that, when you're talking about, as I as I said before, I like competitiveness in my games, and you just touched on how a game that gives, like Halo, that gives everybody the same even starting weapons, field, even yeah, playing field, I feel like for a lot of these games, it's very difficult to have a competitive scene if you do require people to grind up. Yep. And 
I think that if you have some mode where everybody gets access to everything so they could actually determine what's the best build for mm-hmm. di- different situations and you have a sort of competitive style mode. Right. If something like Hearthstone, I would freaking love if they had a mode where you got all the cards. Like, yeah, like $50 a month. You just have all the cards. Yeah, that's, that's what eventually – Have all the cards. That's what I yeah, want. That's the thing. The grind through Hearthstone was cool for me because I was learning the game. You know, I hadn't played card battlers uh, before then. And then the grind for this game is cool because you're not competing with other players. This is a PvE. Yeah, yeah game. it's a PvE game. PvE so very is different, fine. Very I'm, different. I'm yeah, that's yeah. Very competitive. Different, but... Yeah, if it's a competitive, you know, PvP game wherein you have to grind to like get to the point where your competitors are at, it is not real competition at all. You know, it's fake competition. It is essentially just a. a I don't know. It's it's just like a show off match of you should say, oh, I've spent more time for than you, so I'm better than you. Well, like, that that's, turned that's me blind off ridiculousness. of a lot of later Battlefield games where they added additional mechanics where you had to level up your weapons in order to get anti-aircraft missiles, in order to get all these things. Because I felt like I was playing a game where people that grinded it out were just quantifiably better than me in a standard multiplayer lobby Mm -hmm. so yes that is something that i now look for and actually just not buy a game i will not buy a game unless it's something that unless it's a completely novel experience and less more casual i would say there's a way to find a balance where it's uh it's like it, it doesn't have to be every time with a pvp game you have to start at a level playing field i think you could easily have a system where you do have to grind a little bit, but it's not so egregious the amount of right. uh, time you have to invest into this in order to get to that level playing field. You know, like essentially Hearthstone does have a level playing field. You just have to fucking grind to get there or spend money, which is kind of gross. But at the same <laughs> so time, gross. it's a great game and they make a lot of money. So we're the idiots. Here. But, right, but it's also but, a free game. You once, can imagine them just charging. $60 it's technically for- not. I mean, it's technically a free game. Yes. So but even so, like eventually you get to that point where you have all the cards and then it's an even playing field. And it's all about your skill and your your knowledge of the game. Oh, right, my God. Right. The David, amount of time that it would take to grind out with. It's, it's spending egregious, money, the outrageous. Right. I then, haven't spent any money in Hearthstone, and I have all the cards. And you have spent two years playing so much Hearthstone. Like right. well, I don't understand what you've been doing <laughs> with your time. I've been not playing Hearthstone. I've been doing other things aside from grinding at Hearthstone. I've been reading things like books. And now that's and all over. Yeah, it's now all it's over, over for Kurt. Like hard, that's hard, but I welcome think to that, the real world. Anyway, those are the games we played this week. Of course, before we wrap up the podcast, we will always discuss the news. Uh, this week we'll be discussing some really recent news: the new Star Wars 3D third-person game, the 3D Star Sorry. Wars game. 3D Star Wars game, no 2D games. Anymore. Literally 3Ds of Star Wars. The new third-person Star Wars game that has been announced by EA. We'll be discussing Call of Duty's more recent announcements about Infinite Warfare and other things. We'll be also, of course, talking about E3. But first, some music. <laughs> EA announced today on May the 4th that the developer Respawn Entertainment is currently working on a third-person action-adventure Star Wars game. This is uh, the developer, of course, uh, the creators of Titanfall. They're making this game. Titanfall 2 is going to come out, and then all hands are on deck for this 
Star Wars 3D action adventure game. Yeah, this is big news, but I'll tell you what's even bigger Star Wars news that just came out this week. Okay. Shadows of the Empire is on good old games right now. Okay. No, I don't think that's the big news. Is I think that's much bigger news. The biggest news possible. I mean, what do we... Are, well, we know very little about for, this. Yeah, well, it was literally just announced today. Also, the lead director, or just one of the heads, the leads on God of War 3 is brought on to uh, head this project. They're putting a lot of people behind it. EA is obviously at the helm because they have the uh, license rights for Star Wars. And I'm, I'm pretty excited because... There aren't a lot of Star Wars games of this genre, like an expansive action-adventure game that I can look fondly back upon, really. It would be pretty cool if they did, like, an Uncharted Star Wars game. Sure. There was one, just like it. There was a game, I think it was called 1313, like, something like that. It was essentially a Star Wars spinoff third-person shooter based on Coruscant. 1313 being one of like the levels of course on one of the lowest levels like where you know the the bad shit happens yeah yeah where all the bad shit that obviously when lucasarts uh went on well not didn't go under but essentially that just kind of went into development hell it just never happened got canceled eventually people at ea have even said that that game is still possible for resurrection things like that i think it a very good idea to just get some great developers on a new game start an excellent star wars adventure game but talking about that what do we want to see from a star wars game so this for me would definitely be a, like a kind of wait and see type game this is not a pre-order for me this this is the kind no, of thing. No, just, what i want to see is a great story i want to read a review day one that says this has a phenomenal story that happens to be in the star wars universe i'd want to see it connected to the new trilogy and if it didn't have that i would i would be very unlikely to pick up a, a third like a, an action-adventure game, like a third-person action-adventure game. Well, you're a fan of third-person action-adventure games. You played Tomb Raider. You were a big fan of that game. I mean, you got it for free, I understand. You steal all <laughs> your fucking games, you know, but just putting all the financials aside, you're a fan of the action-adventure game, I'd say. I'll play an action-adventure game if there's something groundbreaking about it, if, if it pushes um, something new, like it pushes uh, graphic fidelity in some way. Or if there's a great story. I think those are really the only two reasons why I'd play a third-person adventure I think game. that the story is, when it comes to action-adventure and the actual gameplay mechanics, most important thing, don't care at all about graphics. Feel like when you are playing an action-adventure game, you are going exclusively, well, at least in my opinion, for the crazy world-building and the sense of completion that you get from gradually progressing and that's why one of the reasons why I think the Uncharted games are so sweet. Uh, right, but the Uncharted games are sweet too because they they are they, graphically awe inspiring. Right, they're great in the same way that these big budget action movies are great. The individual set pieces are compelling. But would Uncharted, the Uncharted's, still be great if the graphic fidelity was kicked down a notch? Would they still be great games? I, you know, it's. Something to consider, you know, everyone would like to say, yes, of course, because, you know, the Uncharted games, like, everyone likes to think that it's a shallow opinion to believe that graphic fidelity is one of the highest, one of the highest important features of a video game. But, you know, honestly, one of the things that made Uncharted so popular, especially for the PlayStation 3 era was its graphical fidelity. It was marketed as being like this game that was indiscernible from a movie. You uh -huh. know? So 
that was what got it into people's rooms. In general, I would say, yeah, graphics are kind of secondary, you know, just give me a good game. My bias for Star Wars throws all of my virtues out the window, essentially. Like, especially uh, Battlefront being the biggest so disappointed uh, in battle beautiful I absolutely loved, beautiful i loved battlefront i oh my god i wasn't gonna say that going I would say on beautiful to, looking terrible play going like leading up to battlefront i i thought the writing was on the wall this game was going to be shallow and useless and like for big disappointment you know no no great single player campaign uh shallow shallow first person shooter that's like it's non-comparable to other games you know just not nearly on par with other first-person shooters out at the moment but my love for star wars just absolutely took over i got in the cockpit of an x-wing and was just shooting down tie fighters for hours on end it looked fantastic it literally looked like star wars the sound quality incredible sound quality was incredible horrible original score like while you're playing the game they use none of the original music so that was terrible i used to turn off the music and i think (laughs) there was a big part of it i would turn off the music and use the playstation 4 spotify app and just play endless Star Wars tracks under it. So you just have the ultimate nostalgia high from listening to John Williams tracks, fighting in a fucking TIE fighter. I mostly played just the fighter thing, and I just spend hours doing that, thinking about how awesome Episode Seven was going to be. So, so, yeah, when it comes to Star Wars, all of my you know virtues on video games and philosophies just apparently go out the window i am looking for a different branch of gaming i'm looking for my optimal star wars game would be a new gungan frontier i don't know if either of you are aware of gungan frontier it was a classic sim earth type simulator okay where you are given a plot of land that you need to seed with various species that all interact in interesting ways so Sim you have Rancor. Different from SimCity, I'm guessing. I never played. Sim Very City. different. It's a biodiversity simulator. Okay. So you are trying to successfully navigate the path of introducing various flora and fauna mm-hmm. into a unique area that okay. has certain things. Okay, so I can tell you Respawn is entertainment is not working on. Very unlikely. I love Gungan It's not working on Sim Tatooine. I can famous, tell you that right now. Never heard of this Favorite. game. Kind of feel like you're just making it up. <laughs> Absolutely not making it up. I have some of my best memories sitting with my friend on his shitty Dell PC playing Gungan Frontier in addition to uh, the clearly betty- better version of Star Wars uh, Pod Racing. Third favorite would have to be uh, Rogue Squadron for the GameCube. Rogue Squadron. Shadows of the Empire for N64 on good old games right now. Five <laughs> bucks. This Gungan is the Frontier. Not the sure. The not sure if it's on anywhere. Not enough, not <laughs> enough to go on yet, but I'm excited that we're getting big, serious uh, third AAA developers behind Star Wars games. It's an exciting time to be alive. It's exciting time for Star Wars. I'm excited right, for sure. I'm done with Star Wars. I'm getting done with Star Wars. Damn. Very quickly. That's rough. Last week we talked about Call of Duty. Uh, there were some Twitter leaks and uh, some rumors going around. Now we find out today that Call of Duty Infinite Warfare is real. It has an official trailer out and a release date for November 4th. 
it has been developed by Infinity Ward, which is the OG company of Call of Duty games. They developed Call of Duty 1, Modern Warfare 1, which was Call of Duty 4, 2 as well. So Modern Warfare 2, which was a fantastic game, one of my favorite games for sure, even though I didn't play a lot of online multiplayer. And I then, played the single player campaign. And then they made Ghosts, which was not uh, received as... Uh, graciously was a ghost the, of a game was a ghost of a game these there games have really Thank jumped you. the shark though so infinite warfare it's pretty much yeah infinite warfare being developed by infinity war coming out this fall and also all the special editions say the uh legacy edition and other more expensive special editions will be coming with a remastered version of call of duty 4 as of right now that is the only way that Activision is making that game available. We talked last week about this. I was excited about this. The idea being that they were going to remaster this game and make it into an eSport, but that yeah. really hasn't uh, happened. I don't think, I think they're just remaking the game and you could play it. I think it's just going to be the same game. Where, well, they will have yeah. online service, but they, like, uh, I agree that this is not at all what uh, you guys had conceived that maybe this was like them accepting that there should be an eSport platform for the hardcore Call of Duty fans. This does not look like that's the case at all. This looks more like, I mean, they may be counting on that to sell the games, but they're essentially attaching this game to sell more Call of Duty well, Infinite right. Warfare. Pretty even easy throw-in for them. Yeah. Even if you just attach a an older remastered game to a better lobby, like Halo did with their remastered edition mm. that allowed people to play Halo, the original Halo Halo Combat Evolved, on the Xbox One, uh, in multiplayer, it was still a great thing. It allowed people to play these games that they wouldn't really have. It eventually to became a great thing. It yeah. Was, okay. First off, right, it was a gonna, horrible thing. We're gonna discount the entire disaster of the original. The launch. first four months. Yeah. Of the the game first existed. four months, pretty, where you pretty literally terrible. could not play the game. Uh, to say that remastering old games for new online play is, I think, a great. Uh, yeah, there there was a lot of ire. Can do yeah, it. yeah I, there's a lot of ire in the beginning of this generation, the console generation, uh, from people who saw this as being just a way for them to rehash uh, new games to get you to buy games you've already paid for before. But I think it is a fair and cool way to get you to replay games in a more uh, contemporary way. You know, it, it's more modernized and it's nice to do. This, I think, is a little different, obviously, from the Halo Master Chief Collection. Because uh, this essentially, they got their remaster done, but they're obviously not going to put it out to compete with another Call of Duty game that they're releasing in the same quarter. So they attach it to this game, hoping that it'll push more sales. The number of Call of Duty games that they release has just gotten exponential. So outrageous. <laughs> I, I mean, mean, it's just one every year. I guess well, if you're, you're a person yeah, it who is just, just it is keeps annualized. up with them. Yeah, it's an annualized uh, franchise. Can't, can't be on that train, though. I, You know, uh, a lot of people are contending that now this we're starting to see uh, a gaming generation that's less interested in the annualization of titles and more interested in, say, just the platform. Uh, model just having a game that comes out and just releasing expansions for it or releasing just updates to it or just taking more time all right let's go back to call of duty but yeah anyway i want to talk about the air and space combat did we see that did yeah you see it so you see yeah it, i mean i saw of the footage saw. yeah 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 so there's space combat in this game yeah how do we feel about that i mean it's where 
they see Battlefield as a competitor, I assume. So but I don't I think, think the space combat interacts in any way with the ground combat. Like, they're literally just space combat no, levels. There's, no, there's, yeah, just levels that are in a vacuum space combat. I mean, I that's think it's just That's not Call of Duty. That's totally different. <clears throat> that's no, a that's whole new... sweet. That's like, I always think that adding additional game modes and varying the play style of a game enables you as a developer and you as a gamer to come up with very unique situations. And I am 100% for adding additional completely different forms of combat into a game that has otherwise stagnated. I'm not 100% for that. I see the potential for it to add value to the game, uh, bringing in different elements and different, fully different fleshed out game modes, uh, even if they exist in a vacuum. You know, I like the fact that Battlefield... Literally a vacuum. Yeah. <laughs> First pun of the night. So, yeah, the, the problem with... Uh, creating these new areas to like play well just different game modes is it can often take away from the core game experience even because they they often are subpar they're often experimental for the developers things that they haven't uh, worked with before i'll take it just an example how else are you going to get just an example i have not played this game so not speaking authoritatively but a lot of critics and a lot of uh players of the most recent batman arkham game uh arkham knight felt that the batmobile system and just the the batmobile in general everything about that was not fun it was like silly to add in because it was just like a tank sim and it was just overall uh just way pushed pushed to the forefront of the game too much and they were more interested in playing the other parts of the games that were more of the same from the other batman games which was all very good that's the thing. A lot of people say everything that was classic Batman Arkham of this game was fantastic, but then they kept pushing the Batmobile, and that took away from their experience, even though everything else was spectacular. Right. So it well, can take away from the experience, in my opinion. I have not played the game. I again, don't look so. at it like that, but uh, the way I look at it is how much time are they going to spend developing a space combat sim? Mm-hmm. When they clearly their expertise is developing a first person shooter. Exactly. That's why it's like they're, you're, they're taking away their talent to, from their core gaming experience to try out this new thing that either is a gimmick or for some reason has shown marketing, marketable promise, you know, like, and that I don't see that being the case. I don't think that space combat is just all the rage right now. I think they're looking for new things to do. So interesting that they're doing it i think they're just looking for gimmicks because they see the franchise plateauing it hasn't started declining yet i think it might have wavered with advanced warfare which was two games ago uh but essentially they see the writing on the wall it's the game is eventually going to start plateauing so i think they're trying different things and they're attaching this game they're clearly like you said I was starting to jump the shark a bit well on to the uh adding additional game modes i think that Harkening back to our conversation about Final Fantasy X, they had an entire Blitzball mm-hmm. sub-game. That's true. That was sweet. Joey showed me this game when we were kids. I Blitzball. remember this yeah. It was absolutely I sweet. fucking hated Blitzball. Because <laughs> I was so bad. I, di- I finally – I didn't understand it at all. Got the game for my Vita recently, like a year or two ago. I'm like, all right, I'm going to fucking kill him, Blitzball. <laughs> I know it's a good thing. I could not fucking get it. I don't understand. You need better players. You have shit you got to scout properly and Ridiculous. you got to train your players. But the, it's a, it's a perfect example of how you could have an entire sub-game in a game – that adds, at least in my opinion, massive amounts of value. 
And I'm sure that in other Final Fantasy games, I, I do remember they do they did have little mini games that were available. Mm. But uh, I think Blitzball Final Fantasy VII was loaded with yeah, different loaded types with of crazy loaded things. with crazy mini games, but right. just sweet. All right, let's wrap up Call of Duty. So I'm kind of over these like future, like far you future don't, you don't, Call of Duty games, far to near future. Call I'm Duty looking. Games, so. I'm actually pretty excited for the hearkening back to the original concept of call of duty which is a highly detailed world war ii shooter yeah which we haven't gotten for so long and i think uh running on new hardware would be really cool to do you could do large scale battles which you could never do on the xbox 360 yeah and there's enough uh there's enough of a gap here at this point wherein you're gonna get a lot of new players that have never really played those games you know so i totally agree a lot of people have shared that sentiment I think it's absolutely time. And just, yeah, thinking of the new hardware, I can imagine that. I don't know if I want to play this, but that Battle of Normandy beaches, you know, like so that. So sweet. That would be so intense. experiences. Yeah. Also, Battlefield. When you were in Normandy. Yeah, when you were yeah, in Normandy. Yeah, really excellent time. <laughs> <laughs> Battlefield, uh, Secrets of, Secret Weapons of World War II. I think that was the name of it. Expansion. Okay. Totally sweet. Yeah. You got to have a rocket pack and all that. But, uh. Additionally, looking for Call of Duty Civil War. Going to pitch my own uh, company here. Call of Duty Civil War. No, it's Historic Insights Consulting. We do all of your Civil War consulting. Uh, so please visit historicinsights.com all right, for all of your uh, all of your necessary. There's his plug. There it is. <laughs> I got my plug in. Yeah. We'll wrap up the night with E3 news. We had one announcement official from Xbox and one unofficial leak from a reputable source. Officially, a day or two ago, Microsoft revealed their Xbox at E3 plans this summer. Xbox's spokesman said that Xbox will be providing, quote, in-depth looks at previously announced games, as well as trailers for unannounced titles coming in 2016 and beyond. So obviously that's what you're going to be doing at E3. Not even worthy of a news story. However, this might be in response to some leaks uh, trying to draw attention away from them. Ryan, what did... Uh, right, so the big question post? is, is there going to be this uh, Xbox, Xbox 1.5? Right. And this leak doesn't point to specifically a 1.5, but what's interesting is that we have leaks saying that they're going to be uh, just a refresh of the Xbox controller. So the standard controller that comes with an Xbox, there's going to be a new updated version. Particularly interesting to me and Joey because we both purchased the $150 Elite controller. Mm. So if they're going to come out with a new Elite controller, I would feel very burned. I don't think that's what they're planning. Uh, well, they're planning assume, a standard controller for the assume, Xbox yeah, One. Yeah, I would assume just a sta another standard controller for the Xbox 1.5 which would just simply be another color, maybe with that headphone jack. Uh, well, the headphone jack came out recently, but this one will come standard wrapped with the Xbox. Uh, and I don't think they're planning on 
updating on the Xbox Elite controller anytime soon. They well, actually, it says here, based on sources inside the company, expect to see new hardware at the event, and there will also be a new standard controller that ships with the controller. Xbox One. Right. So we're looking at potentially the 1.5 being shown off at E3. Yeah, that, I was, would be very that was the main leak. The main leak was that there will be uh, this this long-rumored uh, reiteration on this console, you know, this iterative upgrade to the Xbox One. Very confusing. Like, we've been looking at this and been talking about this for a while now, the PlayStation 4K or 4.5 or the PlayStation Neo. Uh, this PlayStation 4 that is slightly upgraded that is supposed to allegedly exist side-by-side side with the PlayStation 4 as an upgraded version of it without any exclusive titles or anything like that just every game or a lot of games will be slightly upgraded right, to 4k well, or just better performance for vr things like that and then xbox 1.5 was something that phil spencer had alluded to some ideas of releasing iterative uh upgrades or even just like he didn't, he wasn't specific so he what he was saying possibly at the xbox one showcase that he was interested in seeing iterative upgrades to the system he was vague enough for it to suggest possibly it being actual upgrade gear that you buy, like, you know, swapping out your hard drive or things like that, like you do with a PC. However, this would suggest that they are going for that PS4.5 route. Right. Well, here's the thing. I think that uh, the two consoles that are out are uh, pretty underpowered for for 4K. I think that's the big story. And mm. I think in the next 18 months, we're going to see wide adoption of 4K and, and these consoles aren't going to be able to handle them. And the company that moves first is going to have a huge advantage. And I think that both companies see that and they want to get out first. So I think Ryan, we're gonna s- will your new NVIDIA card be able to properly handle 4K on four monitors? Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> we're, we're not... <laughs> We're not looking at that yet. My, so okay, my so thing about this like whole this fear for not having something that supports 4K televisions. I understand, Ryan, that this is going to be the standard television in what eight months or even a year or for I don't know. I wouldn't possibly know. Well, if you I, were I to walk into Best Buy right now, you would buy a 4K, 4K TV. TV. Right, you don't want the 4K TV because that's just what's in Best Buy right now, and that's what they're pushing. But it's not yet a majority of what you're consuming. That is, you know, Netflix right. streams into in 4K. YouTube can. A stream in 4K, but still, this is not the main way everything is being consumed. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see that change in the next 18 months. So this is just them looking ahead. So I believe you. It's just insane that like I I just thought that they would need to be under fire in some way. You know, the uh someone said you know a a critic that I hold in high regard, Colin Moriarty, bring him up all the time, has specifically said like. They're not under fire from anyone. No one's forcing them saying, like, this is fucked. Like, the PS4 is so underpowered. People who have the PS4 love the PS4. You know, so many people love knowing that they have the best console. They're not aware, maybe, of how excellent PC is, or they don't really care. They think it's fantastic. I think my PS4 looks great. You know, I sometimes wish for the, you know, smoother frame rates, things like that. But the close to 1080p... Re- resolution is fine for me right now. It'll be fine for me for the next two or three years. Listen, that's crazy. Next two that's, or three that's years. Absurd. We, that's but here's, here's the thing. We aren't high-end game developers. We don't know what Microsoft and Sony are hearing, uh, what these game developers want the consoles to do and can't do. Well, here's and the, I we think, are I think that they're, some... I think they're already running into the limitations of the consoles. I think they were running into the limitations of the consoles at launch. We that are, was he- the main problem I heard was mm-hmm. that the consoles were so underpowered that compared to PCs that 
the developers were already thinking about the bottleneck that they would reach mm-hmm. and that some of the launch titles, like whereas with the uh, Xbox 360 and PS3, it took years for them to properly figure out how to maximize the abilities of each of those systems. Developers were worried that they would reach limitations of the Xbox One and PS4 much quicker. Again, I think really the main gist of it is, like you said, you know, 4K is now the imminent standard and they just need to have something that's ready for that. I think it's the standard, but I also think that you're really discounting how underpowered this generation of consoles I am not. I am when not they came all. out. I am not at all. I see the specs. I know what it is. I've seen PC games. Like, I don't need to know... I don't need to be well-versed in PC specs and things like that to see how the the crazy margin that exists between PC gaming and console gaming right now. Like, it is the largest that there has ever been between consoles and PC since the two have been competing like directly next to each other, which now right. they're more directly competing ever than ever before with Steam and with uh, I mean, Steam boxes aren't really that big a thing, but I mean, it's it's clear that that is the future that we're looking at. That everything right. is going to be in exactly the same, uh, like they're they're all going to be competing for the same market, you know. But like I also everything. think. Just the idea that if one of these console makers doesn't hit this trend, you're going to see the other one surpass them very quickly. I think that Microsoft is looking at Sony, Sony looking at Microsoft, and they're saying, "Absolutely, we yeah. need to do this. And I think they clearly have more uh, inside info than we do. So they know yeah. it's coming from both sides. Probably. And they, probably. they really, I don't think, can wait another four years to, mm. to put out new hardware. That's- Nintendo is looking at their hands thinking about how... They're never going to do any of this, and uh, that they're completely I mean, incompetent. I, like, <laughs> I, I'd like to believe that the NX is, uh, if it's coming out next year, is more powerful than the PS4 we have right now. At the very <laughs> thank, least. thank God. That thank be, God, you know, the PS4. I mean, seriously. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening again. We are the Screen Watchers. You can find all of our content posted on our website, ScreenWatchers.net. Also, you may follow us, of course on uh twitter at screen watchers underscore is my twitter handle is that true absolutely true so screen watchers i'll be taking over social media no no so so twitter at screen watchers is our screen watchers space the word no 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 so at at screen watchers and then you may also follow us on uh instagram we have an instagram account yeah we have an instagram account we have do you have a snapchat find our facebook page of course if you're not doing a snapchat no snapchat zero snapchat please of course always leave us a review at itunes are we on tinder uh, no Tinder. We need to get on Tinder. <laughs> we gotta get on we Tinder. Get on Tinder. Watcher, uh, Screen Watchers is officially taken. <laughs> no. Not no, up for grabs. Screen Watchers is single. Corporations are people too, my friend. Ladies and gentlemen, please, of course, leave a review on the iTunes podcast. It helps us a great deal. Yeah, and we're that's, looking for five stars. <laughs> that's it. No, no, we aren't. We're just looking for as many stars as you could possibly give us. We want we five. That's the most you can give us is five. Yeah, five stars. You can't give us, us higher more. Sadly, can't give us games for stars. Also, please Throw leave. Games for stars. Also, please leave details in your review of what you think we could be doing. We don't better. care what you say. In I your certainly do. I read everything. Thank you very much. Please I mean, join Joey us again does, next but week. Other people don't. Every Friday we post. We all love you. Goodbye.